to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Throws over the middle, wide open across the five. He's in. Touchdown, Houston. Fires underneath. This is intercepted. Back-to-back possessions with picks for this Texas defense. Takeaway number three on the day. Game day is every day. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Now, it's Texans All Access. Oh, yes, it is. Hello, Texans. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Joined tonight, because it's Thursday and this is what we do. Joined by the General, John McClain. The gang's all here, and we've got Denver on our minds. And also Thursday Night Football, which is actually on Amazon tonight. And guess what, folks? It's also free right here. Yeah, you have to pay for Amazon to get it on Prime Video, but you can get it for free right here on this very radio station coming up in about an hour. So enjoy that tonight. It's our gift to you. It's really not my gift. It's the Odyssey (laughs) Radio People's gift. Anyway, let's get to the general here, John McClain. So, General, your thoughts? Here we go. Denver coming up in three days. Wait, one, two. Yeah, three days. Mile high. Texans' sixth ever visit out there. It's different. Russell Wilson squares off against Davis Mills. Your initial thoughts, sir? So you're telling me if I listen to 610 tonight, I can listen free, free, free? Free. (laughs) Very well done, General. Very well done. The game tonight, Texans had never beaten Russell Wilson. He he came back last year, even though he was playing with an injury. He beat him up. That 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 incredible comeback in Seattle in 2017 when he threw for like 462 yards and outdueled Sean Watson. That was one of the best games I'm sure all of us have ever seen. That's why people, those of us who seen Russell Wilson do that time and again, we're so mystified at Nathaniel Hackett's decision to kick the field goal on Monday night. I think there's a bad time to be getting him and the Broncos. I think as a Texans fan, you should have wanted them to pull out that victory because they'll do everything they can not start 0-2. And you guys know, if there is a play at the end of the game, if it's 4th and 4, 5, 10, they're not kicking a long field goal. They're going with Russell Wilson. General, victory uh, in results aside or loss aside from the other night, what do you think about Denver? And when I ask you what do you think about them, how do they compare to the Indianapolis Colts? Because I watch the Colts and see physical, defensively, they're dominant at particular spots. I look at Denver and think, okay, they're good. Um, I like them at certain spots, but I don't see quite the physical team the Colts have. And they're now without Justin Simmons. They're all pro safety who has been put on IR. He'll be back this year, but he's going to be out for the next four or maybe six weeks. What's your overall feeling about the Broncos, that team that blew it up at Seattle? They averaged five yards of carry. They didn't run a lot, but they did. Texans couldn't stop the run again or run, the Broncos did a great job of stopping the run. So the things they did best in that game, the Texans did not did, did not do well. And Wilson, even though he doesn't run like he used to or throw on the run as much as he used to, he's still mobile. You know, he has that, that spin move where he'll go to his left as much as his right. And Matt Ryan, who can move when he has to, but you basically know where he's going to be. 
there's a lot of pressure on Jerry Hughes and Jonathan Grenard, both of whom played very well, to set the edge and be prepared for Wilson to turn and roll to their side. And uh, I think they need the interior linemen to play the way the ends did for them to get some pressure on Wilson and make him force the ball. He's good at it. You know, he's John, great at it. But still, they got a chance to pull an upset. John, what do you make of the former Seahawks who were in attendance on Monday night and all the talk about, well, they didn't really like Russell Wilson that much. Yeah, they liked the success, but there was some resentment there over his treatment or whatever the case may be. And all the talk from Pete Carroll and the interpretations of the media how much truth do you think there is in all that? Was Were they supposed to intimidate him by being there? Is that what it was? <laughs> I didn't even know it. I was surprised he got booed the way he did. I thought he would have gotten a standing ovation based on everything he did for the franchise. And I didn't even know all those guys were there until Pete Carroll brought it up. And he, he wouldn't explain what he meant. I still don't know exactly what he meant because before the game, Russell Wilson's over there hamming it up with all of them, giving them bro hugs, and uh, they looked like they were happy to see him, and that was before the game. So when they're hugging a player and who used to be their leader, I don't think there's resentment from the current team, even the old guys. How could they resent winning a Super Bowl and coming within one pass of winning back-to-back Super Bowls. It was not Russell Wilson's fault. He didn't call that that play that Malcolm Butler intercepted. I don't disagree with you, but I know how there can be some resentment. I mean, if you've got a bunch of alphas on one side of the ball and you got a prima donna on the other side of the ball and the organization caters to the prima donna, well, the alphas on defense are going to be pretty upset, and that's kind of the way it felt to me, John. But that's just that's just me, and that's Seattle – um, that's definitely not going to be the Broncos this week. And, John, I, I asked you earlier about the Broncos themselves, and you saw John, we saw Jonathan Taylor last week. Now we're going to see Javante Williams, and I don't think there's much drop-off. I think people will think, well, it's not Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it's not Jonathan Taylor, but nobody is. But Javante Williams is definitely in that next tier. How tough will it be to go about tackling and stopping and slowing down Javante Williams of the Broncos. He is very, very physical. And uh, he runs over people. He can catch the ball. You know, they'll give him breaks. And uh, I think it's somebody they got to contend with. The Texans, a lot of times, you know, they hit Jonathan Taylor in the back backfield. They hit him at the line of scrimmage. He, he got those yards the hard way. His longest run was 17 yards, and they wore down the defense. And I understand Lovey Smith not trusting his offense at that point, not trusting the defense that had been worn down to, to a punt and take the tie. If it had been the opposite and they'd come from behind a 23-3 a deficit in the fourth quarter and tied it, people would have been more understanding. But I know this. If they'd gone for it for fourth and three, based on how bad that offense was in in the fourth quarter and overtime, I wouldn't have any confidence they could make it. John McClain joining us on Texans All Access. All right, General, I want to ask you about Russell Wilson, who was drafted in the third round, and 
came on strong, quite a surprise when he got picked by Seattle, and Matt Flynn was signed to that free agent deal, but they said, let's play Wilson, the rest is history. I think about third-round draft choices for quarterbacks, and maybe even down the line, obviously the most famous and greatest quarterback ever is Tom Brady in the sixth round, but Joe Montana was drafted in the third round, and you're a good person to ask this of. When he was taken by the 49ers, Obviously, third round, you're not expecting a franchise quarterback, let alone an all-time great. I think he's the second greatest quarterback who ever played the game, but that's debatable. What was the perception of Montana coming out of college when the Niners took him in the third round? I know he had that victory in the Cotton Bowl over the Cougs, and he played for Notre Dame, big-time school and all that. But what was the thought on Montana coming out? Why did he slip to the third round? He didn't have a great arm best thing he did in college was beat the University of Houston in freezing weather in a cotton bowl. And um, Montana, when he was drafted, the story was that Bill Walsh wanted Steve Dills. He couldn't get him, so they took Montana instead. And, of course, at that time, they were awful. 49ers, I think, had won two games. The boy turned out to be one of the best in history, and and they built around him. And, and – uh, you know, Brady will be, to me, Brady will be the greatest to ever be picked. Uh, well, he's greatest ever to be picked, and the fact it was in the sixth round makes it even more astonishing. But Johnny Unitas was drafted in the 18th round and then got cut. But Montana, to me, Brady's the greatest ever, and Montana is number two on my list as well. General, pick your fighter. I feel like this is more a comeback. Pick your fighter. Chiefs or Bills? Pick your fighter. Best team in the league right now. Who is it? If they played Sunday, I would pick the Bills because they would have the motivation after losing that incredible playoff game, especially if it were at Buffalo. If it were Kansas City, I would take the Chiefs. But Chiefs went to Arizona. Arizona's overrated. The Bills went to the Rams, a defending Super Bowl champion, and beat them up, took their lunch money. I would go with the Bills. Since we're on the subject of the Bills, they host the Titans in the Monday night opening game of the Stagger Start doubleheader. And for those who don't know, that's going to be a 6:15 central kick on Monday night with the Bills hosting the Titans. And then it's, I believe, 7.30. It's it's not uh, the next game. It's going to start halfway through when the Vikings take on the Eagles, and it will be on all those Disney Channel stations, in other words, ESPN and ABC, uh, Disney-owned properties. But that will be interesting. Anyway, on the field, General, Bills hosting the Titans. What do you think, especially after Tennessee lost that heartbreaker to the New York Giants at home? My heart wasn't broken. In fact, my heart was happy watching that result. But anyway, what do you think? Well, your heart's going to be happy again because they're going to get beat for the Bills and start 0-2. And letting A.J. Brown go, trading him to the Eagles, 10 catches, 155 yards, and they don't have anybody who comes close to replacing him. More eight-man fronts for Derrick Henry, who was contained. More pressure on Ryan Tannehill. Right now, if you go back to last season when they needed to beat the Texans to get home field advantage, Davis Mills played great. They beat the Texans by three. Since that game, they have not played well. General, what would you make of the Colts after the Texans played them? It's a team that has not 
actually has not won since they beat Arizona on that Christmas night game where Carson Wentz made that one throw. After that, they lost at home to the Raiders. They lost at home on the road to Jacksonville. Then they come to Houston starting a new year, a team everybody thinks Houston's going to be in the bottom fourth, uh, bottom four of the league, and the Colts tie. How do we all feel about the Colts right now? I mean, I'm kind of happy about it, but can this team, you think, get it turned around, or is there just too much residue from last season kind of still hanging over? They're fortunate they play in AFC South, which doesn't look very good right now. They're so reliant on Jonathan Taylor. They have one one receiver in Michael Pittman. They don't really have a tight end. They rely on Naeem Hines and Taylor as, as the receivers out the backfield. If you have a good corner and you can put him on Pittman and contain him, you can put so many guys in the box to try to shut down Taylor. I could see them winning the division, but be like, you know, 8-8-1, eight, eight, something like that, but they didn't impress me. I'm going to tell you that. John, the Dolphins, a Texans opponent, Houston will be in Miami this year once again, back-to-back trips to South Florida, are going to be at the Ravens. And, look, the opening day victory for the Ravens over the Jets, that's not that impressive. The Dolphins beating the Patriots in South Florida seems like death and taxes at this point. It's almost a sure thing, but that was still an impressive win in the Mike McDaniel opening game of his tenure there. What do you make of Miami at Baltimore this week? Lamar Jackson is a man on a mission. Somebody said he's like the Blues Brothers. He's on a mission <laughs> from God. And I think he's playing at home. Uh, I think the Patriots are just not very good. I thought that Bill Belichick would unveil something in that first game and we would think they'd been playing possum in preseason, but they're not. They're just not very good, and their offense is not good. And I wouldn't even think they're a playoff contender right now. But uh, give me the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to win the AFC North, led by Lamar Jackson, and and it'll be smart of him not to sign that contract because whatever he's turned down now, he'll get more in the next offseason. Think about that. Burrow. Herbert and Jackson all getting extensions for no telling what. Oh, that's going to be obscene what they're uh, going for. General, is this the last year for Tom Brady to play in the National Football League? Given what Giselle has said lately, is he done after this year? You know, she said that in an interview that she did with Elle Magazine while he was retired. And that's, and of course, she showed everybody she loves for him to be retired. And she wants to resume her career. You know, she's raised the kids, and I think he owes that to her. So I'm guessing this will be it. And he wants to go out with another Super Bowl. And uh, who's going to doubt him the way they beat up the Cowboys? Now, Dak Prescott, the Cowboys offense, they didn't do squat before Dak was hurt. So everybody's got their in a ringer, and the fact is, Cowboys didn't look good before, and it'll be a miracle if Dak Prescott only misses four games. And the truth is, if he misses four and they don't play any better than they played against the Bucks, they're not going anywhere. Mm, interesting. John McClain joining us on Texans Radio. All right, General, with the Amazon package getting started tonight, 
And again, it's free right here, this Kansas City Chargers game. With that package free, free, free. tonight, bigger innovation in your memory, in your time, is it the Amazon startup or is it ESPN when they first got the Sunday night package in 1987? Because that was a huge deal. I'm old enough to remember that. Guys, the biggest innovation in football history was Monday night football because the ratings for Monday night football in those early years, it was must-see TV. That helped spread the popularity of the NFL. The greatest technological uh, invention was instant replay. Think about what it's be like right now not to have instant replay. During the pandemic, when baseball was shut down, I would watch a lot of games from the 50s on MLB Network, and I'd see Mickey Mantle hit a home run, and I'm waiting for the replay, and, of course, there wasn't one. And we take it for granted now, but nothing beat instant replay. General, we had a chance to finally see Monday Night Football with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Mark and I are always kind of broadcast files, so we're always kind of thinking about it. What did you think, or did you flip over to Eli and Peyton and watch them for Monday Night Football? Now, I I like them, but I don't like it when they have guests. And I don't care who it is. I want to watch the football game. Now, at the end, I wanted to hear what they were saying about the strategy. Think about Nathaniel Hackett. You had the Mannings, and you had Troy Aikman. You had Shannon Sharp on the Manning cast. Everybody blasting your decision. That was a rough debut for him. And I... I like the Mannings. I like the Manning cast, but I want to watch the game. Yeah, I thought the Manning cast, uh, they, they got a lot of pub out of the reaction of Peyton to Nathaniel Hackett, no doubt. And on that subject, John, with Hackett getting so criticized this week, I, I can't think it has much of an effect on week two and prep and things like that. They've been asked about it this week. But he didn't have his appearance with the Texans today due to a scheduling conflict. That was the word. Oh, uh, so yeah. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll take his word for it. Uh, but what do you think of this heading into week two here? It was not a good beginning, no doubt. I'm not saying they would have won the game. Obviously, uh, they made a ton of mistakes. We talked about how well, how well their defense actually played yardage-wise. But what do you think here of that factor heading into week two? Hackett as a first-time head coach. Well, let's be honest here. They didn't lose that game because of his decision. They lost that game because they fumbled twice the one-yard line. And they should have beaten the Seahawks decisively, and they didn't. And I just – I don't know. I I just kind of uh, think they're going to bounce back with a vengeance or the odds are going to fumble at the one again. And I think he will let Russell Wilson throw as much as Russell Wilson wants to throw his way of, of uh, having a mea culpa. General, we all make predictions heading into the season, whether it's a record prediction or yardage, what a guy might do. Is there a prediction that you feel really worried about after week one? Like, I predicted this team to be in the playoffs, and I watched them, and boy, that's not happening. Do you have a prediction or an outlook that you said, "Mm, man, week one, it's not telling the whole story? But I got a feeling I might be very, very wrong about this after watching a team play week one. I 
pick the Chargers to beat the Packers in the Super Bowl. And I watched the highlights from the Packers, and I know they started terribly last year too. But when you look at those receivers and everybody thinks Alan Lazard is the answer to all the problems, uh, I'm worried about the Packers. Now, a lot of people I noticed watching all the former players and general managers on ESPN going with the Vikings after one game, I'm like, I'm not going with the Vikings, but right now I don't feel good about the Packers going to their first Super Bowl since 2010. John, Brevin Jordan did not practice today. Let's hope he can uh, get going. Don't know what's going to happen with the tight end situation, obviously. O.J. Howard had a good premiere last Sunday with the two touchdown catches. There's a lot more to it than just that. They need to run the ball better. Tight ends factor into the Hamilton offense. What are you expecting in week two? Are they going to make that jump? What do you anticipate from Davis Mills and this offensive attack for the Houston Texans when they take it a mile high? I think that Mills played really well in the second and third quarters. And he had a great game his last game last year. Uh, his stats going back to the Seattle game last year, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions, that he'll put together four quarters. You know, what I don't like is his fascination with Rex Burkhead. Everybody wants to see Damian Pierce, who's going to get better. You know the Broncos are going to be – having a game plan for O.J. Allen. He must have caught the Colts off guard, and it was, you know, one time in the red zone, 16-yard touchdown. I want to see him get in the red zone more because last year Davis Mills was the highest-rated quarterback in the NFL in the red zone. And uh, so you want to see him get more opportunities like that. But if they don't run it better and they don't stop the run better than they did against the Colts, they're doomed. General, tonight, as Mark said, Amazon's got Thursday night football for you, or you can hear it free right here on Sports Radio 610. Chiefs Chargers, it's one heck of a way for Amazon to kick off their regular season. Again, pick your fighter. Chiefs or Chargers in Kansas City tonight? Well, I'm going to listen on 610 because I like things that are free, free, free. So I'm going with uh, the Chiefs to win a shootout. 31 to 28. 31 to 28. General, uh, somebody was asking me about your movie career this week, and I said, look, he's been in a bunch of movies, and I I said my old joke, you know, you've been in like 10 movies for a total of 32 seconds, but we know it's more than that. Cook County had a lot of of lines in that movie. Spring Breakers, I mean, almost a Best Supporting Actor nod for that one. I'm kidding. But what was the most fun to make? Tell me, because I was thinking about this. What movie that you were in even one of those with the 10 to 30 second appearances what movie was the most fun to make like the rookie longest yard secretariat which one invincible let me ask you guys the answer to that question if you spent eight hours in a courtroom in bradenton florida with selena gomez ashley benson uh, vanessa hutchins and the director's wife valerie Corrin. And the whole eight hours, they're in their bikinis because it's the same thing over and over. What, what would you have more fun doing that or hanging out with a bunch of guys yeah, I think, on the set of The Longest Yard? I don't know, man. Yeah. I would have picked The Longest Yard, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you were also... I actually had a blast on the set of The Rookie because Dennis Quaid's from Houston. And uh, 
I got to eat lunch with him and some other actors. And they were talking, that was when the Texans had gotten the franchise. And I actually bought a bunch of stuff. I spent $200 at the Texans gift store. And I took all these Texans shirts and caps over to the set outside Austin because a lot of the people on the set lived in LA, but they were from Houston. And I passed them around and I gave Dennis Quaid I gave Dennis Quaid a shirt and a cap. And he told me I hate Bud Adams. <laughs> oh, Dennis Quaid's been in so many good sports movies. All right, General, what do you have going on? Sports Radio 610, Gallery Sports, what do you have for us? Uh, SportsRadio610.com. I, I did a report card this week. I did observations. I'll have a column uh, tomorrow about Russell Wilson never losing to the Texans and what the defense has to do. And I have one today on gallerysports.com with Davis Mills, what he has to do to play well for four quarters and help the Texans uh, pull off a humongous upset. All right. General, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it as always. Mark and John, thank you guys very much. I look forward to the game and look forward to talking to you guys Monday morning. All right, we look forward to it as well. 8.30 Monday morning with the general, John McClain. And, yeah, Wilson is 3-0 against the Texans. So what? Small sample size. No big deal. Two of the most heartbreaking losses I can remember, (laughs) the first two. But I'm not going to get into it right now. I will get into this, though. Who's better is coming up next. We're going to have home field advantage questions. We're going to have defensive player questions and AFC South questions for John Harrison's coming up next on Texans Radio. Stay tuned for more Texans Radio. The big game is here. It's the new Houston Texans scratch ticket from the Texas Lottery. Play today for your chance to win up to $100,000 instantly. Or enter for a chance to win Houston Texans prizes like an away game trip on a private plane. Season tickets, a VIP suite experience, and more. Make everyday game day with the new Houston Texans scratch ticket. Houston NFL Holdings LP all rights reserved. Visit TexasLottery.com for odds. Must be 18 or older to participate. Play responsibly. Play responsibly. Play responsibly. Play responsibly. Now, back with more on Texans Radio. Here we are, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Texans All Access, great to have you with us. And let's play Who's Better, Johnny? I know you're ready for this one. Oh, let's go. All right, here we go. Who's better as far as home field mystique, Denver or Seattle? Denver Ooh. with the mile-high altitude, loud, rowdy fans. Seattle with the 12s. They were going nuts on Monday night, so those two played each other, obviously. They both have great home field mystique. I don't use the word advantage. It is an advantage, but it's a mystique about going to these particular places. There are other places in the league that have mystique, but I'm comparing these two right now. Who's better, Johnny? Oh, boy, that's tough. I I think Denver's altitude issue, I know people kind of scoff at it like, it's going to be fine. It's not an altitude issue. All I know is I used to watch Akeem Olajuwon, one of the most conditioned athletes, all the time go play the Nuggets and have that daggum gas mask on his face as he was trying to get oxygen. So, I thought it was kind of like, all right, you know, maybe it happens to some people. And I didn't take heed to it much when we went out there in 2014. When we went to practices, when we moved our location into downtown Denver, 
I couldn't sleep at all. Twenty the night before the game, twenty sixteen, we stayed in Denver. I couldn't sleep the night before the game. Same exact thing. Twenty eighteen, same exact thing. I have a huge problem going out there. I don't know whether I'll sleep on Saturday night or not, but I'm going to go with Denver because I can deal with noise. I got hand signals. I got all that. I can deal with noise. But the added noise plus altitude, to me, gives the edge to Denver. Yeah, I think it's a good point. They'll be going nuts there on Sunday. But I think also this could happen. They haven't made the playoffs since 2015. I know you played my interview with Dave Logan yesterday. And yep. I just got a feeling that if things get rough, look, they want the Broncos to win no matter what. Even if they get down, they'll be pulling for a big comeback and a big rousing victory. But mm-hmm. And the Denver fans Say are it. polite yeah. compared to a lot of other places. But I got a feeling they're going to turn on them if things don't go extremely well for them. Right, I think that, I think you're exactly right, and I I can't remember. I think it was Landry I was listening to today. He brought that up about how big this game is for the Broncos, how much pressure is on them, and if the Texans go in there and beat them, and the Broncos are an eight or a nine point dog or, or a favorite, and the Texans go in and beat them, and they're zero two to start the year against the Seahawks uh, and the Texans. Oh boy, oh boy, and then they just handed Russell Wilson this big contract. I mean. Mark, you're dead on. This thing could turn and turn quickly. Yes, I'm hoping it does. I think if it's another 20-3 to situation, Texans have that kind of lead, it's going to be rough on the Broncos with their home fans, no doubt about that. All right, who's better? Better situation with a missing defensive player as far as the opponent being the Houston Texans. The Colts, who were missing Shaq Leonard last week, or Denver missing Justin Simmons. Better situation for the Texans' cause. Which one? I think it will be Justin Simmons missing, and it's not just because that's the game on the schedule. But I feel like to take this offense to a different level, they've got to get some big plays. I mean, they hit the one, obviously, to Brandy Cooks off the flea flicker, but they've got to hit some big plays. And in that Vic Fangio-style defense, they're reading on the run, they're reading things, and if you can complicate the issue for Caden Stearns, former University of Texas safety, that who is presumably going to fill in for Justin Simmons, then maybe, maybe you get a cheap one or two over the top where he is going after a dig route when he should have been going deep with the seam route. Now the seam route's wide open. Now, you know Kareem's back there, and we know Kareem is one of the smarter football players uh, in the NFL. He knows his stuff, and he's fit into that defense really well. But Kareem gets aggressive. And if he looks over there and he realizes Stearns isn't doing it, he's going to try and step in and make sure it gets right. There's another opportunity. So I think Simmons being out, look, Shaq Leonard being out, the ability to knock the ball away and punch it out, that was huge. That was huge to not have him on that side. But they replaced Shaquille Leonard with one of the fastest guys on the field in EJ Speed. Uh, And that came into play in that game, and Speed made a number of plays. I was showing you a run play that he made – I'm not sure Shaquille Leonard makes that play. I I was just going to (laughs) say. I mean, it was incredible. So from that standpoint, I think, I mean, they, they, they miss Shaquille Leonard. I think they, they felt like their, their soul was missing because I was standing down there by the Colts warm up, the whole warm up, And I'm just watching. He's talking to everybody. I mean, Mark, he's talking to everybody. He at one point looked at me. I thought he was talking. I thought he was talking to me. And I kind of looked at him 
um, and he was just kind of singing a song or something. I had my headphones on. I'm like, what's he talking trash to me for? What am I going to do? Go hit him with a mic? So he was talking to everybody. Justin Simmons isn't that guy, but Justin Simmons is the heartbeat for that defense. He's the guy that communicates from the back to the front. And that's that's also another part that's different about this Denver defense in just reading and listening to how Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley kind of put together their defenses out of a very similar scheme. They think back to front. So a guy in the back with that much say-so, with that much leadership and Justin Simmons not being there is a huge problem. And I have the Texans just have to take advantage of it. It can't be, well, there's no Justin Simmons back there. That's great. But then you don't take advantage of it. you got to be able to take advantage of it. Got to be able to do it. And it's it's a great point you bring up about his leadership and defensive quarterbacking, if you will. All right, continuing to play, who's better? Better chance to win this weekend. The Jags hosting the Colts or the Titans visiting the Bills. Better chance to win. Jags. The Bills are not going to step on themselves at home, I don't think. They understand the Titans last year. It's funny because going into the season, I'm not thinking the Titans are that good. I just I, I just haven't felt that way. I felt the loss of A.J. Brown was just too much. Um, they were going to be hurting from you know lack of Roger Saffold, lack of A.J. Brown. Uh, and that came to fruition the other day. They really didn't move the ball. They were relying on a rookie slot receiver at UCLA, UCLA, Kyle Phillips, who actually is very, very good. But if you put him with A.J. Brown, now nah, you're cooking. But they just didn't have that. So I didn't think the Titans were that good anyways. But the Bills, just reading our buddy Sal's tweets and just seeing what's coming out of Buffalo, they are not taking that one for granted at all. I think they want to bury the Titans. I mean, bury them for good, a win, Puts them up two and a half games over the team that was number one in the AFC last year. So the Bills, I think, will not be caught with the proverbial pants down. The Colts have gone to Jacksonville and lost many, many times in a row. I do think, I do think that the Jaguars will not win that game. Even though they won that one last year, I think the Colts will wake up enough to get that win. But I think that is an ugly win. Kind of like you want to call last week's an ugly tie. It'll be an ugly win. It'll be 17-16. It'll be 19-12. It won't be pretty. But the the Colts will finally get that win in Duval County um, and and move forward from that point. And then their schedule gets really tough. But I'll tell you this, Mark. If the Colts don't get that win and go to 0-1-1 after playing the Texans and the Jaguars and then week three kicks in, it's the Chiefs. Ooh, it could be a long year in Indy. Yeah, they always seem to start badly, though, then right the ship. You know, they've got all the elements you need to get your season going when you can start pounding it with Jonathan Taylor. And I think for their cause last week, they didn't run it often enough early enough. They should yes. have done that a little bit more. Stop trying to get Matt Ryan going. He'll get going. Run the ball. That's what I would have done if I were them. And they got off to that sluggish start. The Texans had a lot to do with that. So give the Texans a ton of credit building that 20-3 advantage. Unfortunately, it didn't hold, as we all know. We'll see what happens from here. All right, continuing, who's better? We mentioned the McLean movies. What's the better McLean movie? 
And I'm not going to go to the ones where he has the big speaking parts. I'll go to the ones where he barely appears. He's a media member. In the rookie, the longest yard, secretariat, and invincible game plan also with the Rock, but I won't even count that one. Among those four, Johnny, invincible, secretariat, longest yard, and the rookie, what's the best movie McLean was in? Okay, I I know I'll get skewered for this. First of all, I haven't seen Secretariat, so okay. that, that's on me. That wouldn't um, win it. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I, that I've, I've always heard that's a really good film, but I'm not I'm not doing that. I always loved The Longest Yard, and I didn't think I would like the remake, but I I cackled at the remake. I just thought it was just funny. I thought what they did, how they captured the new Longest Yard, I thought was really really good. So. I'm going to go with the longest yard. I'm going to go with the rookie. I love the rookie. It's a true story. Uh, the way they do it, the stadium appearance of Jim Morris at the end is just terrific. I didn't like the stuff about his father. We don't need that. Just add, You know, they add some stories to shows and movies, some storylines you just don't need. But maybe they felt like it was necessary. Obviously, they did because they put it in. Invincible, I thought, was pretty good, too. Secretariat, you want a better horse movie? Seabiscuit. Better Seabiscuit. horse movie than Secretariat. Seabiscuit with Jeff Bridges and uh, what's his name? Tobey Maguire. Okay, yes. who's in every Spider-Man oh. movie ever made. No, he's oh. in the old I've got some stories the, about Tobey Maguire. Oh, my gosh. Don't start. This yeah, is some L.A. Program. stories. Oh, good. I will say okay. he's been very, very nice to my daughter, Meg Garner. So I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm, I can be a Tobey Maguire fan, but I've heard some other bad stories. But he was very sweet when uh, my daughter worked with him and met him. So you're so plugged into that Hollywood scene. Am I not? Okay, I mean, I've got a am question. Am I not? I'm putting you on the spot next about the 2021 quarterback class, Johnny. It's coming up here, among other things, maybe a preview of your Friday night keys. It's happening next here on Texans Radio. Stay tuned for more on the Houston Texans and the NFL on Texans All Access. With the Kroger Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. And for every dollar you spend, you earn fuel points, which can add up to $1 per gallon off at the pump for the win. Plus, save every day on groceries and get personalized digital coupons for the win. The Kroger Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at Kroger.com and start saving. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. State fuel restrictions apply. State. We return to Texans Radio. Yes, we do. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Okay, Johnny, class of 21 quarterbacks. Davis Mills among them, third-round pick. And he throws two touchdown passes last week. Texans tie the Indianapolis Colts. The more I look at it, you know, it was too bad that the offense struggled those last few possessions in the second half and in overtime. One more throw would have gotten it done. You know, one more throw maybe at any particular time might have gotten it done. And I'm not putting that all on him. I'm saying the whole offense. You know, you execute one more pass play, one more big play, and you can get it to field goal range, get that big three points to put you over the top. Would have been awesome. But. I thought all in all, I mean, you throw two touchdown passes, no picks. I know you had the sack fumble, but those things happen as well. Uh, what do you make of the criticism, if you will, of Trey Lance? Because I know you're high in his abilities, and it was a rice patty they were playing on at Soldier Field. Texans will be up there next week, by the way, folks, so I hope that field heals up a little bit for Houston. What do you make of that and maybe a general comment on the class as a whole? 
Well, it's a class that definitely is is struggling, and it's it's unfortunate. I mean, in some ways, I mean, Davis has been the one that's really stood out uh, of those six quarterbacks, and I think I mean it's so hard with Trey Lance. You played in a monsoon. Now before, I mean, it was a monsoon before the game, and it turned into yeah. a monsoon in the fourth quarter, but they really weren't doing a whole lot. But then again, the whole 49ers vibe was off. Debo fumbled. Um, they, they couldn't come up with big plays in the fourth quarter. Justin Fields was the one that made those plays. And somebody asked me, and I, and I can't remember, Mark, if it was you, or somebody asked me about which one of these quarterbacks do you think could step out. And I was like, I think Justin Fields could. He's a guy that he's always got the ability to run. That's he's always got that, and he's not scared to do that. Uh, and he's got just enough. Um, what's the right way of saying chutzpah, if you will, to to be the guy to say, "Yeah, man, I might throw for 130 yards today, but I'll find a way to get my team a win." Um, and he made a couple of key throws in that game. He had Dante Pettis on the 51 yarder for a touchdown, 61 yarder, whatever it was. So Justin Fields, and I mean Zach Wilson can't get on the field because he's been injured. So we'll see what what Zach's able to do. Um, but Trevor's the one to me that had to be great. And that's it's not there yet. It, it isn't. But I go back to this often. It's a year in a game. You can't make a real good assessment on that. If we did that after a year in a game, there have been a lot of great quarterbacks that never got the opportunity to continue going. Like, all right, we've seen enough. It's a year in a game. Gone. You're gone. Got to give some guys some time. But I know how we are as a football society that we want to see it now. See it now. Now. Patrick Mahomes did it now. Josh Allen, it took two, three years. Remember Josh Allen as a rookie? I know you do, Mark. As a rookie in 2018, it was a mess. He was all over the place. By 2019, you started seeing it come together a little bit. In the playoff game, you saw a little bit of everything. By year three, 2020, oh boy. He got himself a receiver, and he was ready to take off. So I don't want to give up on any of these guys. Just from an analyst standpoint, I want to give up any of these guys until they get through a good couple of years. Like at the end of this year, I think you can look up and go, mm, no, or yeah, there's something there. Let's stick with this guy. The one that I worry about just because of what he's got around him is Mac Jones. I just, I'm not buying Matt Patricia's a play caller, being able to step in, never called offensive plays before, and just all of a sudden you're going to call plays against the Miami defense that is, you know, throwing the kitchen sink at Mac Jones, and he's getting the you know what beat out of him. Ah, I feel for Mac. I feel for him in that situation. So I think Mac's the one that really could be a struggle, and he's the one that made the Pro Bowl last year. Um, but just the situation he's in this year, I think, is really, really tough. I think Trey will work things out. If he doesn't, he doesn't, and I've missed. But I think he's got a lot of talent playing quarterback that if he's given some time and he's not playing in a monsoon, I think he'll get that thing turned around and turn around rather quickly. Okay, well, I like monsoons when they affect, uh, you know, again, I'm not I'm not sitting here hoping that Trey Lance isn't oh, I know. successful. I know. But I want Mills to be the best one. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. All right, that's just how I look at things. So give me a sneak peek, Johnny. Friday night, you come out with your keys to the game. A lot of people wait for that, for the John Harris keys to the game. Nobody watches more tape than you do. So give me one little nugget here of what we're going to get tomorrow night as far as a key factor, a key element of a Texans victory on Sunday at Mile High. Well, I'll give you two of them. One, I will give credit to Ted Wynn-Retz for the athletic. And it it goes sort of hand-in-hand with the one that I had realized, and that is Russell Wilson does not love to throw the ball in the middle of the field. Russell Wilson throws the ball outside the numbers. He wants to throw the ball outside the numbers. Some of that is bootleg stuff. Some of that is just his uh, getting out of the pocket stuff. 
He wants to throw the ball outside the numbers. The one I'll give credit to Ted for is he went and he found a few things Seattle did, and he found this number, and I think it came from PFF. Rolling to his left and moving to his left the last couple of years, Russell Wilson has been awful. So if you're going to have success against Russell, make him throw it in the middle of the field or push him left with your pass rush. If he goes right, you got issues. Push him left with your pass rush and make him throw that way, and he's not had as much success. Or force him to throw the ball in the middle of the field. Condense it and make sure he doesn't get balls to the outside. It's got to be down the middle, uh, in between the numbers, in between the seams. That's where you want him to throw the football because he has struggled doing that the last couple of years. Let's get after him. Let's see what happens. Sunday, Texans at Denver, 325 kick. Remember, late afternoon kick for that one live right here. Johnny, thank you. Looking forward to tomorrow night's show as we'll have Lovey Smith on the air, among many other things to get us ready for the contest on Sunday, the big weekend of football. Coming up live right here next, it's Kansas City and the Chargers on Amazon, but it's right here, so uh, you don't have to pay for it. You can just park it and listen to Sports Radio 610 all night long. Thank you, Chris, for producing. Have a great night, everyone, and as always, go Texans! This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. With available premium features like wireless Apple CarPlay, plus America's best warranty and complimentary maintenance, the Hyundai Sonata and Elantra put you on the road to victory. Right now, get 3.29% APR for 48 months on our most popular models. Visit your local Hyundai dealer, the official car of the Houston Texans. For well-qualified buyers only, offer ends 10 Call 469-613-0227 for more details. 227 for more.